This is Unmind with Great Cloud Michael Elliston Roshi. Nature Human versus Buddha Human nature is not what we think. We must kill to stay alive. How humane is that? One of the many modern cultural memes that Zen challenges, as well as any unbiased reading of history would, for that matter, is the hopeful notion that human nature is necessarily a good thing. We often use the term humane with this connotation as defined by the dictionary. Having or showing compassion or benevolence. Regulations ensuring the humane treatment of animals. Inflicting the minimum of pain. Humane methods of killing. Ironic, wouldn't you say, that the very word that connotes the highest degree of compassion or benevolence is commonly defined by our method of killing, mostly livestock, but also wild animals. This at least recognizes one truism of Buddhism, that there is no life without death, and that to live it is necessary to kill, if not intentionally. That is, our very breath kills untold numbers of microbes with every cycle of inhalation and exhalation, relentlessly. Then there's that dreaded occasion when we have to put down a beloved pet or working beast to put it out of its misery. We like to think of ourselves as human beings as the acme of evolution or God's greatest creation, actually formed in his or her image. On the other hand, human beings are the root cause of all, or at least most, of the unnecessary suffering in the world. I came across an old saying attributed to Zen, illustrated with the frowning and grinning masks of ancient theater, saying something like, Waking in the morning, he is an angel or a devil, depending on circumstance. So it is recognized in Zen that it is not just what we do personally, but the interface with the various causes and conditions surrounding us that shapes our lives on a daily basis. Usually, when we speak of human nature, it is with a positive association with the highest good that human nature is capable of achieving. The saints of theism, as well as the ancestors of Buddhism, are held up as exemplars of this achievement through their altruistic behavior and self-sacrifice for the sake of others. It is true that they were all very human, of course, although the teaching style of a standout Zen master like Renzai, if we are to believe the stories, sometimes looks inhumane on its surface. The history of Zen is replete with stories of students who recognize the, quote, grandmotherly kindness of their former teacher in retrospect, only after they had moved on to another teacher or independently experienced Zen's insight.
Before delving into an examination of what we mean by Buddha nature, let's consider some aspects of what we refer to as human nature, but from the perspective of Zen. Note that the Buddha in Buddha nature is not capitalized. This indicates we are considering the innate potential of all human beings to recover their original mind, and not the historical Buddha, Shakyamuni, which would be capitalized. What is human nature? Let me list some of the dimensions of human nature that seem to me to be connected to Zen practice. It is human nature, number one, to regard ourselves as existent entities. But according to Zen, we human beings are not self-existent entities. Nothing else is either including corporate entities, such as the Zen Center Corporation. Two, it is human nature to want to join like-minded groups of people. But the Zen community, or Sangha, like any group entity, is evanescent, impermanent. This is why we refer to and visualize the Sangha as a cloud, Japanese un, constantly evaporating and recondensing over time as people come and go. Three, it is human nature to hope to be appreciated for our contributions to a cause, but it is somewhat inappropriate to express appreciation to anyone for what they do for Zen or Buddhism, as there is no conventional self in it. It is normal to do so in polite society, but Zen, while not antisocial in character, is somewhat asocial. The norms and memes of society are called into question, subject to examination in meditation. Four, it is human nature to expect our associations to meet our personal needs. But, our best laid plans often take an ugly turn. Because a corporate entity is populated by individuals who have their own agendas, one's personal perspective may have to be set aside for the overall long-term benefit of the group. We practice patience with this. Five, it is human nature to hope that our favored institutions continue in perpetuity. But nothing continues in perpetuity, never has, never will. Eheiji, the monastery established by Master Dogen in 13th century Japan, still stands, however. Six, it is human nature to feel disappointed when our expectations are not met. But we practice caution against developing unrealistic expectations of Zen, both of our personal practice and our social community, our Sangha. I could go on. It is human nature to try to control the uncontrollable and to blame others when we fail to do so. No matter how much harmony we are able to foster within the Sangha, there are going to be periods of disruption and disharmony brought about by individual personality issues as well as external influences. 
We do not discuss the faults of others, but we do find it necessary to discuss their behavior from time to time, especially if it is disruptive. This is why we aspire to Buddha nature. Buddha nature simply means awakened nature. What we awaken to is largely the unreality of those things we take to be real, including corporate entities such as the Zen Center. Its leadership, however, in the form of its abbot or abbess, teachers, members, and board of directors, has to be regarded as more real than the constructed entity. Corporations can do harm or good as a result of decisions taken by the persons comprising their membership. Corporate entities may be very convincing, but they are unreal in the larger context, especially when taking the longer view of Buddhism's teachings of impermanence, imperfection, and insubstantiality as applying to all apparently existent entities. A corporate entity does not and cannot carry out the mission of the organization. Only living persons can do so. With an assist from non-living entities, such as print publications, audio-visual presentations, and the physical plant housing the meditation hall, Japanese Zendo. This is pointed to in a stanza toward the end of Master Dogen's Jijuyu Zamai, Self-Fulfilling Samadhi, Emphasis Mind. Grass, trees, and lands which are embraced by this teaching together radiate a great light and endlessly expound the inconceivable profound Dharma. Grass, trees, and walls bring forth the teaching for all beings, common people, as well as sages. And they, in accord, extend this teaching for the sake of grass, trees, and walls. Note that the walls are those constructed by humans to house the zendo, providing a, quote, place conducive to practice, as Venerable Achak Rinpoche defined one meaning of dana, generosity, while giving a talk at the Zen Center. From this, it is clear that humankind and the works of humankind are not separate and apart from Buddha Dharma, and in fact promote and support the propagation of, quote, the realm of self-awakening and awakening others, another of Dogen's phrases. What we refer to as Soto Zen or Dogen Zen is different from all the other entrees on the great smorgasbord of meditations on offer in our culture, which, as we know, values variety of selection over all else. What Buddhism teaches as its worldview is starkly different from the various religions and ideologies, as well as many of the scientific worldviews dominant in America. For more on this, check out my latest book, The Razor Blade of Zen. A little background on our corporate history may shed some light on why, in spite of the ultimately non-existent nature of the corporation, we incorporated ASCC and STO. ASCC was incorporated in 1977 to facilitate the mission of meeting the demand for genuine Zen practice 
in particular its uniquely simple and direct meditation, and to provide the necessary interface with other corporate entities, such as city, county, state, and federal government, including the IRS. The laws of the democratic republic in which we operate allow supporters to deduct donations if qualified. STO was incorporated in 2011 because the stress and strain on the board of directors and committees of the ASCC had become too much to handle with the growth of our network of affiliates, which were meeting the increasing demand for Zen practice and the growing awareness of ASCC and STO as meeting that demand in a uniquely user-friendly manner, stressing the practicality and best practices of householder Zen. But we should not be confused as to the reality or unreality of the corporate entities we have, quote, established. They are no more real than any other corporate entity, though we may feel that their existence as such is much more necessary than most, based as they are on real human needs. In spite of the Citizens United ruling of the Supreme Court, corporations are not persons and should not have their rights accorded to human beings. All beings are capable of doing harm. Corporate entities survive their human components and thus become capable of extending the harm or good they do to future generations. Real persons fortunately pass away, but the harm they do also lives on long after them, to paraphrase Mark Antony. In the next segment, we will continue examining human versus Buddha nature in the context of all such constructions as corporate or personal constructions of the mind. Meanwhile, please focus on the personal over the corporate, emphasizing your personal practice in Zazen over your role in the Sangha. Unmind is a production of the Atlanta Soto Zen Center in Atlanta, Georgia, and the Silent Thunder Order. Find us on the web at azzc.org. You can support these teachings by PayPal to donate at storder.org. Gashou.